The Urbanist is brought to you in association with the Department of Culture and Tourism, Abu Dhabi. Sadiat Cultural District Abu Dhabi is a beacon of hope and inspiration. A catalyst to spark growth and collaboration with museums and experiences, where art and science and nature and technology coexist. The belief of Abu Dhabi that culture is the backbone of our society. Stay tuned for a special episode of the show, in which you can hear His Excellency Mohammed Khalifa Al-Mubarak explain exactly why and how Sadiat Cultural District Abu Dhabi is the perfect place to collaborate, create, and innovate. Sadiat Cultural District Abu Dhabi, proud partner of The Urbanist on Monocle Radio. Hello, I'm Andrew Tuck, and you're listening to Tour Stories on Monocle 24, brought to you by the team behind The Urbanist, the show all about the cities we live in. On today's special episode, Monocle's Olga Tokariuk returns to Kyiv to assess how day-to-day life is continuing after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. After three months away, I returned to Kyiv to find it looking so familiar but also so different, scarred by war. Me and my family left to western Ukraine a few days before the Russian invasion began. Last weekend, I briefly returned to take some things before going back to western Ukraine, which still feels safer to live with a child. Kyiv looked almost normal. There were a lot of people on the streets, including kids. According to local authorities, two-thirds of pre-war Kyiv residents are currently in the city. Many have been returning in recent days. And while there is much less traffic on normally busy streets, partly due to fuel shortages, the metro carriages are packed. Metro stations don't serve as bomb shelters anymore, but the underground hasn't resumed its regular operations yet. Trains run every 20 minutes instead of usual 3 to 5, and the metro closes early, two hours before night curfew. While I was waiting for a train, an elderly lady was singing a false song, Oi Oluzi Cervona Kalina, a symbol of Ukraine's resistance, repeating the refrain, We will make Ukraine smile again, over and over. Many businesses in Kyiv have reopened, but not all of them. I checked some popular cafes and restaurants, and 8 out of 10 were open. Queues at the entry to Crimean Tatar restaurant Musafir and to a kiosk with Kyiv's famous fast food, a sausage in fried dough, known as Brepichka, looked clearly like signs of normality, as were blooming chestnut trees on the central Khrushchev Street, Kyiv's landmark. I was also happy to see that my favorite bookshop has reopened. I rushed into it to purchase some books and support their struggling business financially. There are obviously a lot of armed people in military uniforms in the city too. Documents are checked at the entrance to the main train station and at the platform exits in an attempt to identify Russian sabotage groups. But it's the sounds that betray that normal life has not yet returned to Kyiv. From distant explosions caused by demining in Kyiv's suburbs to air raid sirens, 
which still go off several times per day. One of them wailed while I was in St. Michael's Cathedral, interrupting my prayer. The sound was coming from all sides, from my smartphone and those of people around who also installed an app warning of air raid alerts. I decided to stay in the church. It must have been the safest place in Kyiv, I thought. Throughout history, St. Michael's always gave shelter to residents when enemy troops besieged the city. So I sat there, inhaling the candle smell, looking at the frescoes of Virgin Mary on the 12th century walls, tears streaming down my face in grief for Ukrainian lives, lost and upended by Russian invasion. Strolling central Kyiv streets, I looked for differences from the pre-war city. Here, monuments to Kyiv's medieval rulers, protected from airstrikes by bags of sand and wooden walls. Here, huge banners on St. Sophia Square in yellow and blue colors, praising Ukrainians' bravery and calling to save the city of Mariupol. Here, anti-tank hedgehogs and Ukrainian flags stuck into a grass field in honor of false soldiers at Maidan, Kyiv's central square. One of the most striking things were street banners, not replaced since February 24, the day Russian invasion began. They were still advertising concerts and balls that never happened. It felt as if the time had stopped, frozen. I saw a banner of the movie I last saw in the cinema in peaceful Kyiv, Stop Zemlya, by Ukrainian director Katerina Hornostai, a tender story about teenage love. The banner was partially destroyed by Russian missile strikes aimed at a nearby industrial facility, which damaged residential buildings too. The latest strike killed my colleague, a journalist, Vira Hirich. The shattered banner looked like a perfect epitome of innocent life so abruptly lost. No, life in Ukraine's capital is not like it used to be before the war. Kyiv residents may return, businesses may reopen, but the war scars are there to stay. You've been listening to Tall Stories, a Monocle 24 production. Today's episode was written by Olga Tokariuk and produced and edited by David Stevens. Remember to tune in on Thursday for the full 30-minute edition of The Urbanist. I'm Andrew Tuck. Goodbye. Thank you for listening, city lovers. Hold up. 